0: Welcome to Foresight, the CPA podcast. I'm Neil Morrison. This season, we are looking at navigating uncertainty. It's certainly a timely topic. We did just emerge from a global pandemic, and then there is the threat of recession over the horizon. And one sector of the economy that is exquisitely sensitive to the volatility of the current economic outlook is the world of investing. On this episode, we are speaking with Anish Chopra. Anish is a CPA and the Managing Director and Portfolio Manager at Portfolio Management Corporation. Prior to this, he oversaw over $100 billion in investment management mandates as Managing Director of the Innovative Solutions Group at TD Asset Management. Anish points out, there's no shortage of things for investors to be nervous about these days. Inflation, interest rates, Russia's invasion of Ukraine, and the lingering threat of COVID and other public health threats. But investors are also focused on things like labor shortages and product shortages. In other words, there's a lot to be concerned about. So when you
1: think about all these different factors are all happening at once, they're happening very quickly, and investors have to react to that. And it's it's tough when you think about the, the, the current problem, which is when will the Fed pivot or, or change its stance on rates? Right now, they seem to be following inflation and going up. That's causing some uncertainty, right? Like when, when should an investor go in the market? Like investors are concerned that if rates keep going up following inflation, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. So it's tough for uh, foreign investor out there so they're getting tested by the different factors and the different factors all interact and an investor can't get certainty in the in the environment we're living through right now
0: you've been at this for a while can you think of another time that's had as much uncertainty as what we're facing today well
1: the, the uncertainty is always a little bit different and w- when you look at stock market declines that were rapid uh, as as we saw during the, the March 2020 COVID period. You go back to times, uh, let's say the fall of 2008. Uh, th- that was different though. When you, when you look at the COVID period, there was an element of personal uh, safety, community health, uh, global community health uh, that wouldn't have been there if you go back to the, the crash in 1987 or the dot-com uh, bubble bursting in, uh, in the year 2000 you also didn't have that in 2008 but you had a rapid market decline but here was something different like at that point we weren't dealing with significant amounts of inflation we didn't have labor shortages to work out we didn't have product or good shortages to be concerned with it was really centered around the banking system and us housing here it's it's much more broad based in the sense that you've got macroeconomic factors having an impact on a variety of different areas. But but I would argue what's similar is the uncertainty. It's just the factors around it.
0: Was there any moment in 2008 when, I don't know if panic is pushing it too much, but a, a, maybe a, a deep sense of concern and fear did start to creep in for you?
1: If I go back to the, the fall of 2008, I, I remember starting to get in the habit of of making sure I was on top of weekend news because generally things were unraveling on Sunday, Sundays, whether that was Lehman Brothers heading into bankruptcy, a problem with AIG, the insurance company and its financial services unit, whether it was Freddie Mac or Fannie Mae, the the two US government mortgage companies. So there were just a lot of events. They seemed to take place uh, on weekends because that gave the US government officials, uh, lenders time to absorb things because markets close on Friday, but they open in Tokyo on Sunday night. so you have to, you got 48 hours to solve some problems. So so I would say because it was reverberating all around the world, the leverage problem, uh, that was certainly uh, a challenging period. And for a banking sector to go under, that that's a pretty scary thing.
0: In April of 2022, you said you thought a recession was likely. Warning: how your thinking has changed since then, whether the probability in your mind has grown or decreased or stayed the same, just or if you've given up looking into a crystal ball.
1: Well, obviously, it's hard to get the answers right in financial markets, right? So it's, it's a challenge to predict the future. But w- w- when you think about, whether a recession could come raising rates aggressively as central banks have around the world is generally, you know, a precursor to, to, to causing a a harder landing. And so far, if you look at uh, a lot of different indicators, despite the fact that central banks have raised rates aggressively, economies around the world seem to have weathered that, uh, but we're still in the early days and it does take time. these things to happen so i still think you know recession is certainly quite possible but it's hard to know because there's a lot of factors right like the central bank could go and cut rates again rather rapidly so so there's a lot of these future actions that nobody really has a way of knowing Mm -hmm. so so the future's unpredictable but if they keep on the rate hike path and you start to get reactions and you are you're starting to get uh, layoffs in certain sectors like technology, if you look in Canada, the housing sector is certainly slowing. so, so to expect a slowdown, especially in Canada, seems reasonable. Mm. But, but it may take longer than anyone expects for for it to really play out.
0: How do you approach this uncertainty that we're facing? I feel like almost dividing this up into two categories. You as an investor and you as a person, how do you make sure or set yourself up to be able to sleep well at night in an era where there's this much uncertainty?
1: Well, as an investor, uh, you have to be careful about getting too concerned with the macro environment. Generally, things tend to, over time, work out. And I I tend to say that the the world at some point will end, but it doesn't end very often. And you get... (laughs) these periods of macroeconomic uncertainty quite regularly, but it doesn't mean that the world will end. So how do you manage through it? When I think about it as an investor, I would say you need to invest in companies where they can withstand pretty tough economic climates. So can they withstand high interest rates? Can they withstand time periods where clients or customers just reduce their purchases of that company's goods or services, but the company still makes it through. The, the problem becomes when there's a, a, a ton of debt and th- that debt needs to be repaid in a short period of time. And then you see these bankruptcies. If you go back to 2008, there were a lot of interesting lessons there. There, there certainly many companies had quite a bit of debt. And then as the economic environment turned against them, like product sales effectively collapsed and then they couldn't service the debt, right? They couldn't make payments of principal. They couldn't make payments of interest. And then the companies went into receivership. So when you're thinking about it, you you really want a company with a solid balance sheet that can last through tough times, a product that's required by the marketplace as opposed to a fad product where people can stop purchasing because it's just not not necessary. Uh, as well as like strong management teams that can get you through tough times, high returns on capital. So as an investor, you have to translate the macroeconomic environment. So sometimes the uncertainty gives you the opportunity to find ideas.
0: What do you mean and by that, to find ideas?
1: Well, well the, the valuations of some of these companies come down. So when you're looking at potential investments, there are things that investors may have just said, well, it's too expensive, it's too expensive, but for reasons related to the macro economy or macroeconomic conditions, the, the, the price or the valuation of those securities comes down and it's like, okay, it may still be expensive, but the opportunities to get, let's say, global consumer franchises doesn't appear very often, but they, it does appear. Right so you just have to be prepared and then think through the possible uh, scenarios so when you when you look at uh, like the consumer staples area so so this would be soft drinks and other sort of products where people are using them on a, on a daily basis you d- you don't get the opportunity to buy them at reasonable valuations they trade they trade quite expensive for a reason and the reason is people buy the products so the revenue stream the cash flow streams are quite certain and it's just in those periods of time when the whole market's going down, or sometimes the company itself has a specific issue, but when the whole market's going down, people just have to sell because they want to raise cash. Mm-hmm. And if you've got a three or five year horizon on some of these consumer staple names, it tends to work out reasonably well because they're able to survive as long as their balance sheets are, are solid. If you think about it just as an example, and we don't own it in our current portfolios, but Something like a Coca-Cola made it through the Great Depression, right? You would assume that people would cut back their yeah. uh, consumption of soft drinks. And you you would think the same during severe recessions. But the companies make it through the other end. Sales start recovering. Sales growth may slow, but then it gets back to a, a higher pace once the economy uh, recovers. So that would be an interesting example, that whole consumer staples area. That, so that's like toothpaste, soft drinks, mm-hmm. the, the things that people use. But the companies... The valuations tend to be very expensive, but there are periods when you, when you get your chance, you just have to be prepared to look at the macro and say, okay, I'm going to live with this because, and even if you thought, okay, I don't, I don't want to take an uncertain bet in a, in a big environment where I have to make a bet on a single company. Maybe I want to bet on a market, right? So Mm -hmm. do I buy an index, a product and just buy the entire marketplace of companies, which would be some type of ETF, let's say on the. Uh, The S and P 500 in the U.S. So let's say you're looking at March, April of 2020. Like people were selling just because they needed money, right? They were very concerned about what would happen. Demand's going to collapse, and demand did go down. GDP uh, across the world went down significantly, and but uh, the opportunity hasn't really come again to get that in the last couple of years. It will. The opportunity always arises. It it doesn't arise on a uh, like on a schedule, on a timetable, but mm-hmm. you, but there's different ways of looking at investing, right? So you can so you look at it on an individual company basis. You could look at it on on an entire market basis. So you just have to think it through what what makes sense and what doesn't.
0: It also sounds like what you're saying is that you, you need to take the emotion out of the decision-making process. And I'm wondering just listening to you talk and the amount of focus that you put on things like balance sheets and the general health of the companies that you're investing in, I'm wondering how much your CPA training actually helps with that with keeping emotion out of the decision making process, having that analytical framework.
1: Certainly, the CPA's helped a lot from a very direct point of view. It certainly helps in analyzing company balance sheets and income statements and cash flow statements. And the training that you get is very helpful. Now, when you get down to managing your emotions, that, that's a that's a tougher one to master. And I would say <laughs> it's a bit of a lifelong apprenticeship, right? So you you think you you've got it mastered. And and I talked to quite a few, you know, well known investors in that 2020 or maybe by the time I was talking, it was 2021. And and they themselves said they didn't react as well as they normally would have to that level of uncertainty. And I was saying, well, there's there was probably some element of personal safety. It, it was much more uncertain in the in the sense that we didn't really understand COVID. We didn't really understand the implications on people's health. How many people across the planet would succumb to it? And then that has obviously the most important part is health. But it'll certainly have an economic impact. So I would say on the on the emotional front, certainly CPA training is helpful. But but it's a lifelong apprenticeship, and you get and you get tested at different periods and i would say some periods of uncertainty are a little bit easier as like when i was talking to some of the the well the well-known investors about it that was something and they've got a few years on me and they thought their reaction to the time period or to that uh, that era should have been better they should have been able to take on more risk than they had but they but they did not so mean-
0: were you, looking back to, you know, you've been through, as you pointed out, you've been through the dot-com collapse in 2001. You've been through the housing collapse in 2008. In 2001, you would have been just not long into the world of investing. Did your younger self react differently to uncertainty? Did emotion come into it more than it does now? I'm wondering if the earlier version of a niche maybe wasn't as successful at it.
1: I would certainly say that. Say that. But but if you ask me the same question in ten years, I would say today's Anish isn't as good as <laughs> you know, the Anish from ten years from now. Part of it is just understanding that you know that that, that expression and this too shall pass. We made it through the dot com meltdown. We made it through the leveraged uh, finance bubble of two thousand eight. Now it wasn't a lot of fun, and if you were in some of those companies you were an employee in some of those companies you were a shareholder in some of those companies you were a bondholder in some of those companies certainly the ones that didn't make it it was a, it was a painful experience and the unemployment rate went up substantially in 2008 so, so you do make it through but not every not 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 all the companies make it through and there's tough uh, uh, there's tough periods for people if you were unemployed from lehman it was tough to find work after that for many, many, many years because there were just so many financial professionals looking for work. But when you get some perspective and you live through some of these more severe events, you do get more perspective and you understand you're going to go through these periods and you're going to live through them, but you will get through it, but you just got to make sure you can get through it right so as an investor you got to make sure the companies are strong as a person you just have to realize the world's made it through the use of nuclear arsenal in 1945 like we just somehow you you do make it through but you but you do want the highest chances of success of making it through so so you may have to be more conservative in the good times uh, to survive the bad times Mm. and i think that's a, a big part of it but but understanding that it takes time. Recovery takes time. If you think about two thousand eight, that was really starting in two thousand and seven. The mergers and acquisitions market slowed down, effectively closed, and then it took a while for it to hit stock prices and bond prices. And then it took a while to hit financial institutions. It it, it just takes time, and then but you do come out the other side. But but you do have to have perspective and time horizon. And I would say the younger version of Anish just didn't appreciate. The time it took and didn't have the perspective. Uh, today it's like uh, you know, we'll make we, we'll make it through COVID, but you know there'll be some bumps and bruises for sure. But how do we maximize our chances of success on the investing front? That's just just being conservative as an investor, and, and that's certainly how I looked at it. And hopefully, hopefully I'm a better investor ten years. That's the whole goal, right? To be better every day. Yeah. But it takes time and you and you need to go through the tests.
0: You, you know, you have said that it's important not to panic, but what would you, what would need to happen for you to, to not panic, but to maybe start losing sleep?
1: Well, I mean, once you start losing sleep, it, it tends to be that you've structured your life or your investments in such a way that you can't, that you're, unable to handle in a way you would like the 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 economic uncertainty that you're facing and so it's best to make the adjustments so if just to use some examples if your allocation to equities or to stocks is too high and then when they start dropping it's difficult to sleep at night and you're thinking oh what should i do well i think there's a lesson to be learned there that it's you probably have too big an allocation to equities and you should pair it back, right? And the the test really there was you you got tested in your emotions. It's like, you know, I always want to sleep at night. I don't want to have to think about my investments. So how much of a decline can I handle, right? And then you can say, okay, can I handle a, I don't know, what's my worst case? If you go to March, 2020, you're looking down 35, 40% in three or four weeks. So I think the test may be that can I handle down 40, 50% in a month? And you go, okay, I think I can do that. So, but then how do you adjust your portfolio to have more cash, more fixed income, and less stocks? But but you have to remember it's easy to forget these things too. It's easy to forget the lessons and and then you, you tend to go back and be more risk seeking. So so I think one of the challenges as an investor is just to be very even keel, be be as risk neutral as you can be. So so you don't want to be overly risk seeking, but when the opportunities come, you, you can't say, well, I'm really concerned about this and that. Well, the, the market's told told you that it's concerned. So now you've got to make a, a decision probably separate from the market. And how do you do that? Like, how do you have the emotional framework to handle that? So it takes time to develop that risk neutrality. And I think everybody in the investment business is constantly working at how to get there because because you, you don't want to be. On the side of too much risk avoidance, right, right, because you, you then you you don't benefit from the upside, but then you don't want to be too risk seeking because you get hurt when the market goes against you. You you sort of have to have that right blend.
0: Yeah, you you, you can sleep well if you find that sweet spot, essentially, right.
1: <laughs> but but you get tested in the, in the market, and the world helps you find that sweet spot during the the, the tough down days, right.
0: Anish, I've really enjoyed speaking with you. Thank you so much. Thanks for for having me, Neil. Anish Chopra is the managing director and portfolio manager at Portfolio Management Corporation. And that's it for this episode of Foresight, the CPA podcast. On our next episode, we will be speaking with the CEO of Cirque du Soleil, Stéphane Lefebvre. He tells just an incredible story of navigating uncertainty. Perhaps no company was more vulnerable to COVID than the Cirque. In just six days, the company's revenue collapsed from a billion dollars to zero. Stefan tells us what went through his mind at that moment. Um,
1: survive. We go to a survival mode, right? Right. Um, we we being myself and a bunch of people from the, uh, the management team, we knew that the Cirque du Soleil brand hadn't died. So we knew that this was a, this was going to be a tough patch and we would go through this and come back in business in weeks or months. We never thought it was going to be months and years, but we never lost faith that we, uh, we could actually bring back the, uh, the business and operation. So the first thing that goes through your mind is you you put yourself under survival mode.
0: Stéphane Lefebvre is the CEO of Cirque du Soleil. If you like this podcast, please give it five stars and a review, share it, subscribe to it, or follow us in the podcast app of your choice. I know everyone says this, but it does actually help the algorithm that helps others to discover us. Foresight, the CPA podcast, is produced for CPA Canada by PodCraft Productions. For more information, visit the link in the show notes. And please note, the views expressed by our guests are theirs alone and not necessarily the views of CPA Canada. I'm Neil Morrison. Thanks so much for listening.